0: Good morning, everybody. Hope you guys had a good Easter last week. I know I did. Um, It was my kids' first Easter in the U.S., so it was the first time they got to see things like the Easter Bunny and Easter eggs and stuff like that. Oh, speaking of kids, if you need to go, you can go. But uh, it reminded me, it was so cool to see Prime and Annika. They were so excited to be chasing eggs and stuff like that, and I thought, man, I'm just going to take all their stuff, put it in the backyard, and hide it, and tell them to go find it for a couple hours, you know? keep them busy. So, uh, you know, it's good to be back here. It's good to be able to speak while John's gone. I just well, gone is John is gone. Um, it's a privilege to speak here. So last time I talked about the three keys for a successful ministry. And so this time I'm going to talk about uh, kind of the opposite of that, the three serial killers, the three killers of ministry, the three biggest things that I think destroy any ministry uh, or church now when i talk about the church and about the members i believe that we should take responsibility for for the church um i believe that you know we're responsible if a church fails or succeeds you know the pastor has a big role in that the deacons the elders have a role in that but ultimately we have to take ownership for you know what our church is doing what it's growing or if it's not growing um Take ownership of the ministry. You are part of the successes and the failures, the good and the bad. And so that's why I like to teach things like ministry concepts, leadership concepts, because I think as members we all have to know those things. We should be able um, to own those type of concepts and apply them in our church. In the Philippines, everyone that goes through our discipleship program Um, They also have to go through a leadership program, and there they learn about ministry and the concepts of ministry and how to grow the church and and, uh, what to look out for and what could hurt the church. And so we teach them those things, and so I think every member should know those things. These are things uh, that I've been trained um, by leaders in the ministry that I've been trained to watch out for, to discipline myself against, and make sure that they don't sneak into the ministry So the thing is, they're not really, they're kind of sneaky. They're not really sin. They're not really things that, uh, that, we, see, that we can see, obviously. Um, they're kind of sneaky. That's why I had this message. I call it serial killers. I thought it was kind of cool. But uh, the thing is, Satan is always trying to look for a way to destroy us and destroy our church. It says in 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Satan's looking, away, looking for a way to destroy this church. And so we have to be careful not to let these things sneak into our church. So the first ministry serial killer that I have for you is a lack of unified vision. You know, if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a set goal, you're never going to move forward. A church will never grow without a solid vision or something that can be accomplished that everybody is working towards. And you know, sometimes it's not necessarily a lack of vision, it's just that the vision hasn't been communicated clearly, or not everyone knows the vision, not everyone is on board with that vision yet, and that's just as bad. Sometimes you have a church where you have 10 different people who have 10 different visions for the church and have 10 different goals, and so they're all working differently, trying to do different things, and you end up choking the church, and it ends up dying as well. So how can we prevent that? Um... You know, I think one thing that's cool that we do in the Philippines, we make sure every church has a Vision Sunday, um, where our pastor, our head pastor of all 27 churches in the Philippines, uh, we get together and we have a Vision Sunday where they talk about what is the vision for the church, and what is the goal, what are we going to accomplish this year, and so actually I talked to Pastor John and I kind of forced him, no, but I asked him to uh, have a Vision Sunday sometime this summer and uh, communicate that goal for what the, church, what the goal is for the church. Um, so how do we prevent a lack of vision? Ask for a dream. The day we stop dreaming is the day we start dying. Leaders should be dreamers. A big dream yields a big vision, and a big vision yields a big church, if God is in it. Uh, Ephesians 3.20 says this, Not to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. It says that God's able to do more than we ask, more than we think. We never ask enough. When we, when we dream, honestly, I think we never ask big enough. God is capable of doing more than we dream, more than we think. So ask God for the vision for the church, for what's next. Here's something, there's kind of an example for you. So the thing is, I say this sometimes, and people say, you know, what about small ministries, or what about this part of the ministry? That's not... You don't have to have a dream for that part of the ministry. Like, for instance, the hospitality ministry, which is really awesome. You guys always have good food out there. Uh, last week we had an awesome breakfast. But what if like, the, church was, the vision for the church was we want to bring in more young people? How would that affect the hospitality ministry? Well, they would say, hey, these young people want awesome coffee and want something, you know, high-tech. So let's get a Kreg machine. You know, let's get something cool that draws in a crowd, that would draw in visitors, that could be a dream for them. Someday it could be, let's have an outreach breakfast. Because that breakfast last week, guys, come on. That was great. But imagine if we could turn that into something else, an outreach breakfast to bring in visitors, to bring in the unsaved. I mean, that's a big dream for something, for a seemingly small part of the ministry, but it could have a huge impact on the church. So ask God for a dream. But seriously, let's get that Craig machine, guys. no. <laughs> So quit making excuses. That's the second one. People often lack vision because they focus too much on the problems that may or may not be in the way. You know, you hear this attitude like, oh, man, I don't really want to do that because it's not going to be effective anyway. We're not going to be able to do that. We don't have the money for that. You know, if so-and-so would do this, we would be more effective what we were doing. Or, you know, if the pastor was doing this, we would be more effective. But that's the wrong attitude. Um... We make a lot of excuses as Christians. In Genesis three, eleven and twelve it says this He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to me, gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Even since the beginning of time, people have been making excuses. Adam made an excuse, blamed the woman, but he was still punished. That's the thing. Excuses don't do anything, they don't help anybody. They just cause more problems. Uh, thirdly, write it down. Write down the vision. Habakkuk two says this, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. If you want to prevent a lack of vision in the church or in your ministry, you have to write it down. You have to have something that is to hold you accountable to it, to show that you're growing. You have to have some way to monitor your growth, your progress towards that vision. And towards that goal so you have to write it down not only that so that everybody knows it if we write down our vision we can easily share it with other people Uh, in the philippines every year we plan out what we're going to do for the whole year and we plan out all these events and we sit there and we set goals for every church um, and we talk about how we're going to reach those goals so we write it down and then we share those goals with our members And so everybody's on the same page. Everybody's working towards the same goal. And that wouldn't happen if we didn't write it down. If we didn't have some way to come back at the end of the year and say, okay, did we do what we were setting out to do? If we didn't write it down, we wouldn't be able to evaluate those things. And we also wouldn't be able to celebrate the win. When we reach those goals, when we accomplish what we set out to do, we can see that by writing it down, and we see that we've accomplished that, and we can celebrate that. Okay, so the first ministry killer a lack of vision. Secondly, apathy. Apathy is a lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. The lack of a desire to do anything more than the minimum or to do anything at all. You know, I've experienced this in ministry. There's times where you get to the point where you just start to coast, and you start to think, you know, that's good enough. In the Philippines, we have this saying. It says, It's uh, Tagalog. So it means that's good enough. It's basically like saying, yeah, that'll do for now, or, you know, that's just good enough. But that's the wrong attitude. The Bible says this, Revelation 3.16, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. God doesn't like it when we're like that, when we're just cruising, when we're just coasting. We have to be afraid of that. Don't let that sneak into the church. We have to be afraid of that in our ministry, and in our lives. Apathy also manifests in our spiritual lives. We can get stagnant, we can plateau, we can stop growing spiritually if we aren't careful. Um, And the problem with that is, that opens us up to temptation, which opens up a path to destroy the church. We've seen that with megachurches all the time. You know, their pastor becomes, uh, you know, kind of a superstar, and they kind of become apathetic towards their spiritual lives, and they end up falling into sin. And their church ends up getting destroyed because of it. And that's, that's the problem. In America, it's so easy to just be like, eh, that's not really my thing. Like in the church, when there's a new ministry, you just be like, eh, I wouldn't really have time for that. Or that's not really my jam. That's not really my thing. I don't want to do that. But the problem is, if everybody does that, then nothing ever gets done. So... How do we prevent that? How do we prevent apathy? Know your priorities. Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Make your spiritual life a priority. You have to be strong. If you are strong spiritually, Satan cannot attack you. Um, Satan cannot use you as a way to destroy the church. The Holy Spirit will not let you become apathetic, The Holy Spirit will be driving you, pushing you, telling you to do more, to fulfill that vision. So, set God and this church as a priority. Eliminate distractions. You know, oftentimes we have so much going on outside of the church that the church is going to become this thing we do every Sunday. Something that we have to go to. Something that we have to be a part of. Um, And a ministry can't grow without people being willing to step up and commit And do their part, and that means getting rid of distractions. Let's read this uh, passage here. Luke ten thirty eight through forty two. It says As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Uh, So she was distracted. She was distracted from what was really important. And so we have to be careful to eliminate those distractions from our lives. Common distractions in the U.S., I think, uh, sports, entertainment, things like video games, movies, work can be a distraction, Uh, We get too focused on working, even family sometimes. You know, some people will say, family is my ministry, that's what I do. But the problem is sometimes that can be taken too far. I know some people that, you know, that's all they do. They take family vacations, uh, family outings, family dinner, family this, go to these sports events all together. And the problem is they don't have any time left. They don't have any time left to give to God. Um, And it becomes a distraction to them. Uh, Me... A couple years ago, um, I made a mistake and uh, I decided that I was going to take on some extra work while I was in the Philippines because I needed the money, uh, needed to, you know, take care of some things. And so I decided to take on this extra work and uh, I took on a contract with, uh, with an organization, um, with a government agency, of course, with a government agency, red tape, lots of problems, all kinds of nonsense. And so it became this huge distraction, and I found myself focused so much on what I was trying to do with that that I couldn't, I couldn't do ministry anymore. I became uh, apathetic towards the ministry. And that, you know, that's a mistake. So we have to eliminate those distractions. Uh, get involved. Every member is a minister. Every member has a role. Mark ten forty five, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even Jesus came to serve. First uh, Peter 14, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. So we're supposed to be involved, and we're supposed to serve, because serving also helps eliminate apathy. You know, it's one thing to be on the outside of a ministry and look at it and be like, okay, that was cool, The ministry really grew this year. It's something really different to actually be involved in it, to be inside of it. Instead, you're thinking, wow, yeah, we did do pretty good, but we could be doing better. You start to care about the ministry. You start to care about how it grows and how it fails. And so get involved. Um, I believe that as Christians, we have to be a good steward of time. In fact, I teach all my disciples and everybody on my team that they have to do kind of a tithe just like they do with their money, but with time. And no, I don't mean lose sleep. Don't give up sleeping. You need that. But, like, this is kind of a sample here. So, you have 168 hours in a week, 56 hours for sleep. Subtract that out. Take a tenth of that. That's 11 hours a week that you're supposed to be giving to God, just as a baseline. So, you do a half hour devotion every day. That counts as part of that. So, you got three and a half hours for devotion. You go to church for two hours. So, you still got like five or six hours left that you should be giving to God each week. Lead a small group, disciple somebody. Um, come volunteer to you know to help Heather fold clothes or something in the resource room. Uh, take a couple days and go to this uh, relief ministry. There's all kinds of things that can be done. There's all kinds of places that we can serve. And I believe that God has a place for everyone. I think that everyone should have a role in this church and in this ministry. And I think that God has a place for us. And if you don't know where your place is, you need to talk to Pastor John. You need to talk to the deacons, to the elders, and find out What opportunities are available? So apathy, that's the the second serial killer. The third one is burnout. Burnout. We see this a lot. I see this a lot in a lot of ministries. I mean, even I've been burnout. Even in the ministry, we have so many volunteers. There's so many opportunities to serve that you say yes and yes and yes, and you eventually end up with so many things to do that you can't do anything. Um... Being burnt out is not effective. Uh, it drains you physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and you slowly start to suffocate. I've seen ministries where there's five people doing the same, doing everything for the whole church. Just five people doing it. And that's the worst. I mean, that's just so unhealthy. Um, at that point, they're not affected at all. The People are tired, overworked. They're trying to do too many things, and they just end up getting sick, leaving, or just losing control of their lives. So how do we prevent burnout? How do we keep this from coming into our church? Number one, rest. Take a break. Matthew 6.31 says this, And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure to even eat. I made this mistake the first probably three years of my ministry in the Philippines. I was just doing way too much. I just took on you know, way too much ministry, more than what I could handle, and uh, it started to hurt the ministry, and so my leader, uh, Pastor Greg, came and talked to me, and he told me I had to take a rest, <laughs> and I was like, really, are you serious? But I had to, because if I didn't, the ministry was going was gonna to suffer because of it, and so I came back, and after I took this, you know, two-week rest or whatever, we actually split my role up into 12 positions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so that was my team. That became my, my ministry team, the 12 leaders uh, that I had to enable to take over that ministry. And so that was a big eye-opener that, you know, I have to learn to rest. Um, it makes us more effective, you know. Secondly, say no. Learn to say no. I know that's hard. Not just to ministry opportunities, but to opportunities outside as well. Um, Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do all things through him that strengthens me, right? So I should be able to do everything. I should be able to take it all on. But the problem is that verse is always, you know, taken out of context. That verse is talking about being able to handle everything in whatever situation that God puts you in, not in situations where you take on too much. Um, You know, if the ride says you have to be this tall to ride, you have to be that tall. You can only do as much as you can do. There's only so many hours in the week. So you have to learn to say no. Um, if you're doing too much, you know, you can, you can feel liberated. You can have that permission to say no. Um, as a church, we have to learn to say things, say no to things that don't align with our uh, vision, with our ministry. If we have this vision and we have something that we know we're supposed to be working towards, and then this other opportunity comes up that we think is a great ministry opportunity, but it doesn't align with what we're trying to accomplish, with our vision, with our goal, then it's just extra work. That's all it is. We've got to find somebody else to take on that ministry rather than our church. Thirdly, uh, help each other. Don't let a brother struggle. Every member is a minister. If you know someone who's burned out and you aren't helping them, <laughs> that's messed up, man. I mean, a church is a team. We're supposed to work together. Everyone is in it together. Uh, Exodus 17, 8-13. I'm sure some of you have heard of this story before. But The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Shoe some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, and one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. We've got to have that teamwork. The truth is, there's people in our church that are burned out. There's people that are tired. There's people that need an Aaron. They need a her to hold up their hands. And we should be doing that. We have to be available to help. Don't wait for them to make the merc- for the make- for them to make the first move. Be proactive in that. Um, be there to help. Be that Aaron. Be that her. Okay. So those are the three ministry killers that that I think we have to avoid, um, that we have to prevent from sneaking into our church. You know, when I look at this church, I see this church with so much potential. I see a great facility, a great location, great people that can just, you know, blow it out of the water and can do great things. But we have to be cautious. We have to be careful not to let these things sneak into our church. Don't lose sight of the vision. Continue to dream big. Don't fall into the trap of apathy. Get involved. Don't get burnt out. Take a rest and help those who need rest. Keep these things out of the church. uh, And God will do big things. You know, my family and I are going back to the Philippines, hopefully before the end of the year. And uh, we'll be gone for another two or three years probably. And so I hope to come back and see this church growing. Um, To see new people added. ministries expanded. Lives changed. I just want to end with this illustration. This is kind of a funny... Illustration, but I, it, every time I hear it, it you know, it kind of reminds me of what I should be doing. So, imagine this: there's a magical duck town where only ducks live. Every Sunday, the ducks waddle out of their duck houses and they waddle down the main street to their duck church. They waddle into the church and squat in their duck pews. The duck worship leader sings a few duck songs, and the duck pastor comes out and reads from his duck Bible. Quack, quack, quack. He encourages them. Ducks, God has given you wings. With these wings, you can fly. With these wings, you can rise up and soar like eagles. No walls can confine you. No fences can hold you. You have wings, and you can fly like birds. All the ducks say, amen. The ducks stood up, turned around, and waddle home. <laughs> Let me encourage you today. Don't waddle home today. You're meant to fly. This church was meant to fly. So let's pray. Thank you, Father God, we just thank you for this day, Lord, and we just thank you for everybody that's here today. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house and uh, to hear your word, God. I just pray that uh, you'll be with everything through this week, that you would uh, help us eliminate these killers from our church. Don't let them in. Don't let Satan have a foothold in our church, God. We just love you, Lord, and we praise you, and we thank you for everything you've done. In your name, amen.